you're not here on Sunday, we are pleased to announce by overwhelming majority vote the following motions were approved, and the biggest one there, besides Nikki, Pastor Nikki being our assistant pastor, is also that we have purchased, or we will be purchasing, the Scottish Rite property to the west of us. So as a church family, we affirm that. Yeah, we are thrilled for that. We are crossing some I's, uh, T's and dotting some I's on the, all the legalese type of things. But uh, you can be in prayer for that. And as we sit at the meeting, it could be still 30 days, 45 days, two months uh, before we're actually able to be over there and to have some of that property available to our ministry. Um, but I uh, just want to let you know about that. Sunday night was a wonderful, wonderful night. And thank you for all of you who were here. Um, hey, you have an outline in front of you. Take that out. On it, it says beliefs. And um, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been in a series uh, going over some core foundational beliefs of the Christian faith. Because we looked at a study a couple of weeks ago, and that study said that many people in America have these beliefs off. They have them wrong. Um, I don't have all six of those beliefs down, but if you want to go online, you can look those up uh, from the message from last week. But here's the one I'm going to talk about today. This was the one that the most people in America and the most churchgoers in America have off. Little something different they believe. And that is the question... Can good works get you into heaven? Many people today believe that they can. And yet, let me give you this analogy. How many of you like, especially on a hot day like today, how many of you like ice cream? Like, okay, how many, do we have some frozen yogurt fans in the house as well? Okay, let me just check. How many of you would rather have frozen yogurt than ice cream? How many of you rather have ice cream than frozen yogurt? Okay, a little bit more on the, on the uh, ice cream side. But, but, but in, in um, frozen yogurt especially, sometimes I don't even like the frozen yogurt as much as I like the toppings that goes on the frozen yogurt, right? right? Are you with me on that? I mean, I mean and, and ice cream, you know, you can pile them on as well. But, you, you know, you get the M&Ms, you get the gummy bears, you get the crushed Oreo cookies, you get all the other stuff there. And, and I was out with my son last night. We were enjoying some, some frozen yogurt, and I thought... You know, uh, we, we take a little scoop of this, a little scoop of this, a little scoop of this, a little scoop of this. Would you ever, would you ever, at the end of all that, when you put in the motor oil of chocolate sauce on top of it as well, would you ever put in some decon arsenic rat pellets on top of it? How about if you put in just a few? Would it, would it be okay? How about if you chalked them up really, really small and it was just a little bit of a fraction of like as small as a... Um, salt grain would, and threw that in there, would you ever want to eat that? You really wouldn't, would you? I mean, no matter how small of a mountain it is, when rat poison or something poisonous goes in there, it's done, it's through, you're like, I'm out, I'll never eat that. Same thing when we are talking about this question. Can good works get you into heaven? Because your life can be 99.9999999% good, but that little point zero 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 one of contamination, one sin, wipes it out. You cannot be perfect enough to go to a perfect place. God is so holy, God is so righteous, he cannot accept anything less than ultimate perfection. And so even one sin would disqualify you from going to heaven. That's what the Bible says. And yet, in today's world, 
we kind of feel differently about that. Satan has done a great job of saying, well, you know what? You can still earn it. You can do things. You need to try and be better. And when you don't reach that perfection, it's all right. Just keep trying. And yet, that's, that's why we live in such a confusing state in our Christian faith and our Christian walk. In fact, let me show you where the passage like this comes from. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 2. And in Ephesians chapter 2, we see Paul talking about that sin that is a part of our lives. And how that disqualifies us from heaven. Because it's not based upon what we do. Ephesians chapter 1. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, says it like this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And there's the bad news. That's what you were. But here's the good news. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And then he says this phrase that we'll hear a couple of different times. By grace, you have been saved. Say that with me. By grace, you have been saved. Say it one more time. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here it is again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works. So no one can boast about it. Alright, let's get after this question. And you have your outline. We're going to go through the who, what, when, where, why, and how of grace and how grace works in our favor, okay? First question is this, the why. The why, because of sin. Sin. It says you were dead in your trespasses and your sins and the ways that you walk. You cannot be good enough because you have that .000001 little pellet in your ice cream or your yogurt, whatever it may be. You cannot. It contaminates the whole thing. Sin does that to us. We are not good enough. In fact, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. It's death. We're not good enough. That's the why. How about on the back page? The what? The what is God's gifts gift. One gift. God's gift. It is a total gift of God. And it says it out of Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Now here's why this is so hard to understand. Because we live in a society where we earn everything we get. And we feel like we have to earn everything that we get. We can't get something for free. In fact, there's some sayings that are popular in our society. Most of you will recognize these. Help me finish them, all right? 
if it sounds too good to be true, it, it is, or it probably is, right? How about this one? There's no such thing as a free no such thing as a free lunch or a free ride, whatever it may be. Yeah, you can't get something free, right? Here's one from uh, probably the 1970s. Um, we make money the old-fashioned way. We, we earn it. It doesn't just come. You have to earn what you get. How about this one? God helps those who help themselves. Now, that is not biblical. Please hear that. And yet, we say that often, don't we? God helps those who help. You know what the truth of the matter is? God helps those who cannot help themselves. That is what grace really is. And what's so confusing here is that everything about our American life is you get what you pay for. It's kind of like the Protestant work ethic. You put in a hard day's work, you get a fair day's pay. And, and, and that works except when it comes to our relationship with God. Because he doesn't relate to us on our performance. And we can say, thank God for that, right? Grace. Here's a great little definition of it. Grace, unless God gives it, you don't get it. Unless God gives it to you, you don't get it. You cannot earn it. Because if you did, it wouldn't be grace. Back to love, Chuck Swindoll. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote him a few different times here today in his great book, Grace Awakening. He says, grace says you have nothing to give, you have nothing to earn, you have nothing to pay, you couldn't if you tried. That's what grace is. And yet our culture is permeated with this idea that if I do enough or I am good enough, that's how I get into heaven. We, we, we have this imagery. In fact, many of us who even believe this about grace still probably even feel, yeah, at the end of time, you know what? God's going to look at all my good works versus my bad works. And many people have this idea that that's how they get into heaven. That you get up to heaven and you have this balance on the fulcrum. And the good works, you want to outweigh the bad works. And when the good works are tipping down lower than the bad works, that means that you'll be in heaven someday. But if it's the other way, that means that we feel like God will cast us into hell. And we have this understanding, this mindset, I have to do more good things than I, ha than I do bad things. My question is, when is enough enough? When, 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 when do you know about that balance? Well, I'll know about that to the end of time. You know what? Take the stress out of all this. That's not what it is the case. That's not what it is based upon your admission into heaven. But the average person believes that. That the good needs to outweigh the bad. The only standard they believe is perfection. I, 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 I have to try and do it. I have to try and be as good as I can be. Trouble is, you cannot be perfect enough to get into a perfect place. And you stopped being perfect a long time ago. Let me just add that. If you don't believe that, ask the person sitting next to you. They'll tell you. Definitely, they'll let you know that. In fact, the only admission into heaven is grace and grace alone. I, I love this verse. In fact, we could just drop the mic after this verse is stated. And we could be done talking about this subject. But look at what Paul says. Romans 11.6. In fact, it's the bottom verse. Would you read this with me? Read it. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace no longer be grace. Did Paul just nail it right there? Let's, let, let, let's read it again, because some of you just read it and you didn't quite understand that. Let's read it again. Go. But if it is by grace, 
it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace, hunger, be great. The next time you sit down and have a conversation with someone, the next time someone just mutters something at your work about good works get you into heaven type of thing, the next time you have some sort of a, a discussion about religion in that way, remember that verse. Mark it, circle it in your Bible, have it someplace where you can say it. No, it's not about works, it's about grace. In fact, let me ask it this way. How much do you have to add to 100% to complete something? Nothing. Nothing at all. And what God has said is when his son went to the cross to die for our sins, and when he said it is finished, he means it is done. That's the standard now that we enter into a relationship with God by what Jesus Christ did for us. And he did 100% of the work on the cross. We can do nothing to add to that. Chuck Swindoll in his book says, Christ died for us on the cross. He was raised from the dead for us at the tomb. When we believed in the Savior's death and resurrection, we are dipped into that same scene. Great imagery there. You are, you are taking your life. It is dipped now into that same scene. Our identity was now changed. We didn't feel it. We didn't see it. We didn't hear it. But it occurred nonetheless. When we came to Christ, we were placed into him as his death became ours, his victorious resurrection became ours, his awakening to new life became our awakening, his powerful walk became our powerful walk. Before we can experience the benefits of all that, though, we have got to know it. We have to learn it. And Satan is going to try everything he can to trip you up on this one. He's going to remind you that, no, you're not good enough. You shouldn't be doing that. In fact, many of you, probably even to get here today, you had to put out of your mind the sins that you committed this week. You had to say, I'm not worthy to even go to church. I don't feel like I should even be there. No, that's not what it is to put it out of your mind. It's to confess it before God and to say, God, I am sorry. I didn't measure up to that perfection. And that's where God comes in and says, by grace, I forgive you. By my love and grace, it's okay. You can be in my presence. Today, today, some of you are going to cross that line of faith. So hear me on this. Don't get distracted by the heat. Don't get distracted by what else you have to do here today. Please hear me on this. Satan is trying everything he can to keep you out of heaven. But if today you take that step, you will be in heaven, heaven bound forever. And we will talk about what exactly that means. Peter Drucker um, is one of those guys who for years lived his own way. In fact, if you don't recognize that name, he's kind of the dean of American management. Um, in every university and across America, um, he has been uh, quoted and many of the uh, classes study his books. Um, the guy has got an IQ off the chart, or had an IQ off the chart. He passed away about a decade ago, but he was a Renaissance man. He became known as the man in American business. That, that's who Peter Drucker was. Um, he, in his 80s, became a follower of Jesus. He turned his life over to Christ. He took that step of faith. And uh, as he announced that um, to many in America, um, people were kind of shocked at that. Because here was a self-reliant man who could do it all upon his own. And now he had a trust in a God named Jesus. And a pastor ran into him at a, uh, a business um, conference. And he ran up and said, Mr. Drucker, I, I heard that you became a Christian. 
is that true? And Peter Drucker said, yes, I, I've given my life to Christ. And the gentleman, the pastor said, um, can I ask, what made you step across that line of faith? What caused you to trust in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And Peter Drucker thought about it for a few seconds, and then he gave this response. He said, when I finally understood grace, I realized I was never going to get a better deal than that. And you don't have to be a, a renaissance man or have a brilliant business mind as Peter Drucker does to figure that out. That grace is a good deal. It is a great deal. It comes about because we can do nothing to deserve it. The why is because sin is in place and we have to do something about that. God has chosen to take care of that for us. It comes about because of the what, God's gift for us, but how? How's it come about? The next question on there is by faith through Jesus. By faith through Jesus. Please hear me on this. It's not about church attendance. It's not about good works. It's not about being baptized. It's not about uh, taking communion, as we're going to do in just a bit. It's not about receiving sacraments. It's not about reading your Bible. It is by faith, by faith, that grace is given to you. In fact, let's read the verse here out of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Read it with me. Go. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one you might say, well, you know, how is that even possible? Does God just give it to us for free? He does this because there is no way that you could have ever possibly earned it on your own. That's why he does it. In fact, again, Chuck Swindoll in his book writes, The salvation that begins with God's love reaching down to lost humanity and is carried out by Christ's death and resurrection results in all the praise going to God himself. Hear me on that. Satan wants to confuse it. Satan wants it to be as though we did a little something to bring this about. But when that happens, Paul says, then we begin to boast about it. We think we have a part in that. But grace is 100% given by God, 100% accomplished by the work on the cross, by what Jesus did for us, and that gives God all praise. Goes on to say, but a salvation that includes human achievement, hard work, personal effort, even religious deeds distorts the good news because man gets the glory, not God. The problem is, is that appeals to us. We like a little bit of glory. We like to feel like we're a part of the equation, that we've done something to earn God's favor. When God says, no, you can't. It is simply by faith through what Jesus did. How is that available to us? Look what the verse says in Acts 15, 11. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will, as it says in the book of Acts. You, you say, well, why Jesus? Why is it only through him that we have to receive it? Why? Why? Because he's the one who paid the price. And by the way, I don't see a lot of other people standing up and volunteering to pay the price for my life. They don't do that for you as well. But Jesus did that. He stepped up and said, I'll take care of that sin punishment for you. And that's exactly what Satan does not want you to believe. In fact, on, in this series, we're going to talk a lot about these different beliefs that people have and just how some of them have been twisted just enough that 
the truth is there, is there, but it gets twisted just enough so that it's not truth anymore. And this is the same thing with this, with this thought, this concept, that for us to be a part of the equation is totally now false. We, we, we are no part of it whatsoever. And Chuck Swindoll again says, our adversary does not want us to think like this. He would like to erase grace immediately if he could. But since he cannot, his strategy is to do everything in his power to deceive us into thinking like we are still slaves, controlled by him. Why? Because when we start operating like free men and free women, our old master can no longer control what we do. So what's the who? Who is it available for? I wrote down to everyone. To everyone. And that means if you can hear me. Now over the course of this day, there'll be a thousand or more people on the grounds that will hear these words. There'll be hundreds more who listen on the internet to these words. My prayer is that no one will say it could not come to me. It is for everyone. Not just people who look good. Not just people who smell good. Not just people who act just right. God does not play favors. Listen to me, please. It does not matter your status, your background, the sins that you've committed, or what you have done in your life. This grace is available to everyone. It is for us through what Jesus did for us. And again, you know, Satan knows. Can I just remind you? He knows your weaknesses. And the reason that you keep getting tripped up over temptations, and usually it's, I would say, three to five temptations in your life, and you know what those temptations are. He knows what those temptations are as well. He keeps bringing those back up to you because he knows that they'll get you to trip and fall. And the thing about that is you need to let, the, you need to let some other people in your life know what those temptations are. Because then they can pray for you specifically, and they can help you, and they can walk through things with you, and when they see you walking down the right path, they can head you in a different direction. Satan brings these things to mind, and when you fall, when things happen, he loves nothing more than to kick you when you are down. And say, see, you don't belong there. Look what kind of a life you live. You don't, you don't, some of you had to fight today to even get here because you didn't think you were good enough to come. I, I mean, every week I talk with people, and I would guess once a month people say, well, you know what, the church is going to fall down if I ever walk onto those grounds. And the reason because of that is because they feel like I have some skeletons in my closet, some things that I have done, and they don't feel like they are good enough. And Christian, I know people, some of you have stayed away on Sundays because you're like, you know what, that was a bad week, I shouldn't be there. You know what, if you are sick, you belong in the hospital, all right? And that's what we are. You come in when you're not feeling well. You don't say, let me get a little bit better and then I'll go to the hospital. That's not the way it works. You come when you're having difficulties and you're having struggles. And it's available to everyone. God says, my grace is available to all. Look at what it says in Romans 13, or 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, what's the word there? Saved. Not just those who are good looking. Not just those who, you know, buy certain clothes or shop at certain places. It's available to everyone. A number of months ago, there was a gal who was baptized here at First Baptist. And um, she'd written down a phrase that was shared with her. 
phrase she wrote, and she wrote me an email on this, and let me just read part of it. The phrase was, God loves you infinitely more than you can imagine. Now, she contemplated that. She wrote about it. She says, I read that statement, and every time I read it, I cried. She says, I would repeat it to myself every day over and over again, trying to understand that this God that I had been so angry with loved me unconditionally. Since my world had fallen apart years before, I had felt so unloved, so empty, so abandoned, that to hear those words, it was like a sense of relief. It was a letting go and acknowledging that someone can love me unconditionally. She said it felt so good. It was like taking a backpack off full of stones that I've been carrying around for years. I cried, happy to acknowledge and get rid of this burden, happy in the knowledge that God loved me infinitely more than I had ever, ever known. Today, if you're here and you don't know that, man, Satan just loves throwing more rocks onto your back. He loves weighing you down. He loves the, the hardship that that brings, and he loves it when this becomes so twisted in your mind. But God's truth is given to us, and it's simply stated, I love you, my child, and you can have a relationship with me through what Jesus, my son, did for you on the cross. Let me continue to answer the questions. Where? Where do we get to celebrate this? In heaven, ultimately, where it says in Ephesians 2, 6, and he raises us up with him, he seats us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But we don't have to just wait till a heaven. We get to experience that joy now. Understand, that's not just a heavenly type thing. We get to experience it now, but soon it will be for eternity. In fact, that's the last question that I asked, is when it's for eternity for eternity. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In fact, on that outline or in your Bible, circle the word eternal life. That, that is so significant. Understand, this gift is not until you sin again, or it's not given to you uh, until you commit one of the mortal sins and then it's taken away from you. Then you have to, you know, do extra penance and, and things like that. And that not, that's not the case. God saves you by his grace, and he keeps you by his grace. In fact, listen to me and then say that after me. God saves you by his grace, and he keeps you by his grace. Say that. God saves you by his grace, and God keeps you by his grace. His grace is what sustains that. You don't one day have his grace, and the next day you don't. Because there's nothing you could do to earn it, so there's nothing you can do to unearn it. That makes sense. If you didn't earn it, you can't unearn it. However, you do need to truly accept it. And that's where when people ask me, they say, Pastor Brad, you know, I have a friend who came to church and it seemed like they, you know, gave their life to Christ. They raised their hand or they went to a conference and, or they did it as a young child. But I have seen nothing change in their life. You know, it's not for us to judge them, but that may be that really they didn't give their life to Christ. And that's only between them and God that they can know that. God is the only one who ultimately judges that. But when you do fully give your life to Christ, then you are 
his child, then you are born again. And you cannot not become his child. You stay his child. His love covers over you forever. For eternity. Now, the next step that we like to bring in there is great. I guess I can go out and do whatever I want to do. Huh? License to sin. No, 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 no. That is a cheap grace. And my goodness, Jesus did not go to the cross for a cheap grace. God's sacrifice was not cheap. And so we could never, we should never ever feel like, hey great, I'm in heaven one day, it'll all come to me, because you can bring hell on earth to your life. I could bring up people after people after people who would share stories about the hell on earth that they brought to themselves and to the people around them. And so my prayer is that you would understand this and understand how much God loves you. Understand it's by grace that you have been saved. Understand that it's a free gift, but it's a gift that you take when you repent. It's a gift that you say, you know what, I'm sick of living my own way. I'm sick of doing it my own. God, I'm going to follow you. And when we do that, when we repent, when we do that, then we want to take those good steps. Then we want to do the good works. Not that we have to. It's because we want to. It's a place of grace. It's a place of saying, God, because you have loved me so much, I want to love you back. And understand this. If the Father is satisfied with the Son's full payment for sin for us on the cross, then we are, by the Son, given grace through faith. That means that God is satisfied with you, and he's satisfied with me. And that means that we truly have to believe That every skeleton you have in your closet should be gone by now if you receive Christ through faith. Because he has taken your past and he has redeemed you. The only one who keeps bringing those skeletons back up to you is Satan. Because he tries to get you going back there. He cannot have you positionally when you are in Christ and he knows you're going to heaven someday. He cannot affect that. But he can affect your thinking. And he can affect your living. And he can affect your witness to keep others out of heaven. That's why it's about now the works that we do. Not to gain access to heaven, but so that any good thing we do says, to God be the glory, to God be the glory. And Satan will say, ah, to you be the glory, to you be the glory. Nope, 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 to God be the glory in whatever we do. It begins with grace. It ends with grace. And when we get that, when we understand that, we live differently. In fact, you know, Jesus taught his disciples a lot of things. And there were times that he did it in teaching, Sermon on the Mount and other places. He'll he'll do some healing or share some lessons in life. But there was one point in particular where Jesus said, okay, disciples, I want you to get this one. And it was what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. Paul reflects on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he says, um, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so today, if you are here and you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have said yes to his grace through faith, then we say when these elements are passed, take. Take. And what you have, you'll have one cup that's in there. It'll have two cups actually on top of one another. You can separate those two. A little twist will help you do that. And you'll have a bread and you'll have some juice. We'll take that together. But before you do, I would just challenge you. Scripture says, you know, you want to come with a pure heart. You want to come without unforgiveness in your life. And so take a few moments as we pass the elements around um, to really search your heart, to really come before God and say, God, uh, forgive me for whatever I have done maybe this last day, this last week. Forgive me for maybe some places in my life that I've not cleaned up before you. Today I come at peace with you. And thank him for what those elements represent. Now, I realize there are probably dozens of people in here as well, but when you truly look at grace, you'd be honest, you'd say, I haven't accepted that. I'm still trying to earn it on my own. I'm still trying to do things that would qualify me for heaven when God simply says, no, it's by what my son did for you on the cross. That is what your qualification is. And you cannot add to that. You can only accept that. And so today as we come to a place of remembering what Jesus did for us, today is your opportunity to take that step of faith. Today is your opportunity to say, I want to do that for the very first time. And then if you do, we would say, then acknowledge him through taking these elements and celebrating with the rest of us. But why don't we talk a moment, take a moment and talk to the Father about that. And if any of you want to make sure of that peace of grace coming upon your life, then now will be a time for you to take that step. So let's pause and let's pray. Let's pray together. God, I, I thank you for what your grace means. It means 100% done by you, a free gift through faith that we only have to acknowledge through faith. A faith that says, I'm sorry for what I have done. A faith that says, I want to now follow you, turn, repent. A faith that allows us to be a child of God. God, my, my prayer is for anybody here today who has not taken that step yet. That today, folks, would be your day of saying, yes, I want to cross that line. Of realizing I will never get a better deal than this. Folks, it can just be within your own heart that you'll say those words, Lord Jesus, today I invite you into my life. Through faith I believe that you're my Lord. I repent, I turn, I ask for forgiveness of my sins, and today I claim you as my Lord and Savior. You know, Scripture says that if you did that just even right now, today, that you're now part of the kingdom, that there are angels in heaven rejoicing for what you have just done. We celebrate with you, and we invite you to partake of this, these elements. Now, for all the rest who are here, I know for some of you, for decade upon decade upon decade, perhaps you have lived out your faith. Maybe it's been a few months or maybe just a few years. I pray that you will come to this time, this time of remembering and it will be a time to remember what it was like when maybe you hadn't given your life to Christ. Of remembering what it was like for the very first time to celebrate and rejoice in what it meant 
to be one of God's children, a follower of Jesus. Lord, your grace is so sufficient for us. Thank you for it. Our prayers now are that as we accept that and live in the midst of that, God, that everything about our lives would reflect that. And even now as we celebrate this together, God, may we do it to remember, to remember that you one day are coming for us again. And we are your children, knowing the truth of what you teach us, that by faith we are saved. God, thank you for your grace. It's amazing to us. For it's in the name of Jesus that we now join with millions and billions of disciples over time to do this, remembering what you've done for us. For we love you. It's in your name we pray.